Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going? Yeah, very well. Chin chin, very well. Uh, I have a cup of tea. It's not, unfortunately, it's not a beer tonight, but um, I'm trying to be good. No, I'm doing okay, mate. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's been a, it's been a weekend for film, shall we say? But I'm sure we'll get onto that later on. But yeah, I'm living the dream. If there's such a thing, how about yourself? Ooh. How's Florida keeping? Florida is uh, hot, and you know it's it's Florida. Um, all sorts of crazy things going on in the world, and mm-hmm. we're just trying to stay positive because we are uh, <laughs> at at my job. We are winding down uh, the last month of school, basically. Um, so we've got like uh, state tests happening and um, trying to finalize lesson plans and figuring out schedules because our schedules get altered for testing and so it's this mm-hmm. whole it's this whole thing gonna have to kind of play it by ear um I, which i'm not a big fan of i like to with at least with my job i like to have a, a kind of cemented plan but uh on a movie related note um my film three those are my four-year students we've they've been with me all four years um we just started a ghost story today and uh, i've not taught this film i i've seen it several times i'm, I'm a big fan of a ghost story and uh, I've been afraid to teach it because I don't know. I know I know that it's going to be divisive. Like some people are going to hate it and some people are going to like it. And I'm not 100% sure who. I have a couple of ideas. Um, there's a, a one student in particular I'm pretty sure is not going to vibe with this kind of slowed down uh, pacing of the film. But um, it, it's been fun kind of prepping for it. And then uh, we started. We just watched the first 18 minutes and 8 seconds today. Um, that's Precise. It is precise because that is the moment um, that a character decides to. It's it's essentially the inciting incident of the plot where he he makes a choice to not go through a door. I'll just say that. Um, yes. So like that's right where it stops, and uh, that's where we stopped. So on Thursday <laughs> we, we left the Montedokes. Right. Well, I felt like it's a reveal if you don't know the official premise of the movie. And then it's also, though, the inciting incident, because that's where the character makes the choice that will give us the rest of the, the film, right? Yeah. If, he, if he made the other choice, if he went through the door, movie kind of is over, right? Like, it's done. So um, that's uh, that was my my logic today. I wanted, uh, Plus, we had a little bit of prep to do before we started the movie, so I knew we weren't going to get much farther than that. Um, and I felt like that was a good stopping point. It's like, we see that, we know what's happened. All right, when we come back, now we're going to get to see the aftermath of that decision and everything that plays in. So it felt like a good logical stopping point. Um, and also he's, uh, he does such a, uh, Lowry does such a good job of establishing the film language and how he is going to tell this story, like the pacing of the, the camera shots and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to kind of address that before we get to that big kind of controversial long take that, uh, comes in the take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be controversial, but it sure is. Boy, that's a lot of that scene seems to make or break this film for a lot of people. So, uh, but it was, it's really, I, I love teaching movies anyways, but like teaching stuff like this, cause this is a movie that I think most people, unless you're like us would not come across casually, someone's got to bring yeah. it to your attention. So I like being the one to get to bring it to their attention. So, yeah. and there's plenty in that film. We both enjoyed that film. There's plenty in that film to discuss like that long, one particular long take. There is so much you can 
surprisingly take out of that scene. You can sit down and discuss what does it all mean? What's what's the characters in turn and what, you know, what's happening? There's a lot there. And also just the premise as a whole. It's a very interesting film. Um, thankfully, again, I, it fell on the right side for me and I enjoyed it. I get people don't like it. And like you're, you're right, JB, it's not, it isn't one where you can, it's not going to fall on your lap. You would kind of have to search it out. But if you do, I think you'll enjoy it. Certainly fans of this show probably would as well. And I'd be interested to hear what your students say about yeah. a film like that. Same. We did watch, um, we've been kind of prepping for this type of uh, indie film. We watched Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is another kind mm. of quiet film. Yeah, very tough film. But again, a lot of yeah. prep went into that. And we've four years of, a, of establishing a relationship and understanding, you know, uh, the idea of storytelling through cinema doesn't mean you have to agree with the story being told, but that, you know, it's worth hearing their side of the story, so to speak. Yeah. And um, just before that, we watched uh, the farewell um, Hulu Wang's the farewell. So we've been kind of building to this very existential film of, of a ghost story. Um, you need to, you need to get me on like a secret Skype call so I can listen in to what your stu- students are saying about these films, because that would be those three films in, in amongst themselves are wonderful in for different reasons obviously they're great films i'd love to hear a lot of time left with this group but if you, you're always welcome to be a, a guest lecturer if you want to give like a, a a lecture on something uh related we, we're we're winding down but you know um, I'd, I'd certainly be there to listen for sure i'm not sure i can't imagine <laughs> they take me too seriously mock my accent <laughs> oh i don't know um we had uh alejandro and uh, montoya marin who did nice. monday uh with my seniors from last year he did after we, uh, he let me show monday to that class and then he did uh impromptu i didn't know he was gonna do he's like he's like i'm free do you want me to do a q a i'm like are you serious yeah Sweet. let's do a Q&A. so that, that was my students were really hyped about that like getting to talk to the director of a movie was a big deal for them so yeah, um, sounds like a flawless victory. Uh, oh, good segue. So oh. we're here this week not to talk about my my passion for teaching film, but instead uh, my passion for film and Matt's, of course, yep. as we're getting into the new block. This is the first theatrical release. Uh, second, I guess. Well, I guess there's been a few, but this feels like the, the first that I cared about being a theatrical release, although I did not venture to the theater. I was going to. I had every intention and I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it, partly because my theater, my local theater, that's only a few minutes from my house, is still closed for another couple of weeks. And I just couldn't, like, I, I was finding it hard to fit uh, the drive and then the, the movie into my schedule yeah. this weekend. And especially knowing I could watch it for free on HBO Max. Uh, we're getting into our review of Mortal Kombat. The new HBO Warner release that is uh, same day theater, same day uh, HBO Max, which is again wh- where I watched it. Um, directed by Simon McQuaid, I think. Um, Mc- I said it wrong. McQuaid, McQuaid, McQuaid. <laughs> I knew I was going to butcher it. It's, we it's practice weird. this. I, I don't practice for a reason because it does not pay off. Uh, Greg <laughs> Russo and Dave Callahan are credited as the writers. Uh, there's a couple other people credited with story. These guys are the screenplay credits. Um, the film stars Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, uh, the star in my opinion, Joe Taslim, uh, Makad Brooks, Matilda Kimber, Laura Brent, uh, oh boy, uh, Tabba, t- wait, nope, that's a D, Tadano Bu Asano, I am so sorry, here Lord we go, Green, and Hiroki Sonata, that one actually I feel is pretty easy, yeah, I might have messed that one up, but 
That one felt good. Uh, the synopsis. If you're a fan of Mortal Kombat, I probably don't need to read the synopsis because surely you know all the characters because you've played all the games. So MMA fighter Cole Young, wait a second, seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand <laughs> against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. Uh, RT, 55% for the critic score, but the audience score has an 87, so that you can see there is a huge discrepancy between critics' opinions and the casual moviegoer. Um, yeah. 44 meta score again, and a 6.4 IMDb user score, which I think is a little more telling than the 87 RT audience score. Um, cause 87 makes it sound like everyone's super positive. 6.4 is more like, yeah, there's good stuff in it. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is again, streaming on HBO, oops, HBO max and, uh, in theaters. Um, I think worldwide, if I'm not mistaken in theaters, yep. Satellite TV as well. So, uh, it should be available for most people to watch now. So let before I give my opinion of this movie, let's give a little backstory. Here we go. I used to be a frequent uh, purveyor of an arcade in my local mall, and um, my arcade—I loved my arcade growing up. When I was like ten, eleven, it was the best place. They used to do every like couple of months. They would have like an overnight lock-in for like five bucks. You got in. All the games were free to play except for the ticket games. Cause then, you know, you could just rake in all the tickets, but like all the, the normal games were free to play. And one of the games that caught my eye early, I was already kind of a street fighter fan, but mortal Kombat just felt different. I, I, you know, the, the violence, the blood, even the way they did it with the motion capture where you had actual people like cropped in, it looks kind of bad now, but at the time it seemed so different because it wasn't an animated game it was just like real people fighting almost and i remember being really drawn into it um and then mortal kombat 2 is really where it hooked me i used to go every weekend my mom would give me a 20 dollars bill and that would be to eat and play games and i spent most of it playing mortal kombat it would be a crowd of people around the arcade machine you put your quarter on the machine you were next and if you won you stayed on and you played until you lost and uh there was a group of like older guys i don't know if they were high school or older like college guys and there was a group of us that were like middle school kids and the older guys actually kind of, they took a liking to us and they kind of taught us and they made us better. And we would, we would own that machine for like hours. Like we would just be, one of us was on it winning constantly and everyone would just step up and play. It was this social thing that I feel like online gaming recreates a little bit. And in, in, in fact, the last couple of Mortal Kombat's have a thing called King of the Hill where mm-hmm. you, you are in a like round robin kind of thing. If you win, you stay on everybody else is watching the fights, waiting for their turn. It recreates the feeling, but it's still not the same as being there and, and waiting um, I loved Mortal Kombat. I, I, you know, I had a Super Nintendo, not a Sega. So the first game didn't even have blood in it when it when it dropped on Super Nintendo because uh, they were like Nintendo was apprehensive about like having too violent of a video game at that time. That was still Destroy. the early days. I went to see the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie in theaters <sighs> opening yeah. day. Um, I remember the excitement of the theater because it was packed, and when the 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 song came on and screamed Mortal Kombat, the Mortal theater Kombat. went nuts. It was one of my favorite moments of a theater because it, it reminds me of like Avengers Endgame. That was the level of, of attitude in the room. We That's were so awesome. hyped up. And I, I've always enjoyed that movie. And I, not only that, I had the novelization of that film and I read that book. I did not read a lot of books in middle school, folks, <laughs> but wow. I love this game enough that I was committed to it. So I am an MK fan. I've What about I the follow-up? Annihilation. You, did, you okay. glossed over that. I wanted to skip that one. Uh, that movie's awful. Um, you know, it's the a worst shame. films I've ever seen. Um, it's so bad, and it's like it. It doesn't like the first one's campy, and it. But it, it there's a there's a 
there's to me there's a respect paid to the game and i i always forget the actor's name but i really like the actor that plays luke king i think he's a good lead he's yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly in beverly hills ninjas with chris farley but i actually think he's good in that even though the movie's not so good um i think he's doing a good job i find he, he has a sense of um he's able to pull comedy in while still feeling earnest and and genuine and I don't think the actor playing Liu Kang in this movie is able to achieve that at all. He feels silly and overzealous and way too like obnoxious to me. Maybe I'm misreading that character. I I, I will concede that possibility because I feel like I might I might project a little bit of Bruce Lee on the Liu Kang. I feel like that was clear inspiration for that character, um, which is I mean Bruce Lee's kind of like the the martial art Americanized version of a martial arts character. That's what we've. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's law in the Tekken games, or Tekken games law is clearly inspired by even more so uh, Bruce Lee. Whatever. I I am also a fan of martial art movies. I grew up uh, actively watching martial art films. It was a it was a thing. At one point in high school, I uttered to my guidance counselor that I wanted to start my own martial arts school. That was the level I was involved in this this world. It was something I was very passionate about, and this game was just a, one of those many kind of tangents where you know. Um, some kids have Jesus Christ on their wall. I literally had a picture of Bruce Lee on mine. Like it's nice. That's nice. And this is something I don't talk about much because I did leave it. I left it in, in high school when I when I graduated. I, I stopped watching as much martial arts stuff. Mm-hmm. I stopped participating in martial arts, and and it, it's not something I've ever stopped caring about. But I stopped talking about how much it meant to me for a long time. So I was super pumped when this trailer for the MK twenty twenty one dropped. Oh, uh, it it looked surprisingly good. It looked grounded. And I was like, Oh, cool. I can, I'm, I'm down to go with like this real serious edgy, you know, MK movie. And like some of the, the, the fight sequences they showed in the trailer looked so good. I was so pumped. So when I tell you that I think this movie is garbage, I mean it with the <laughs> bottom of my heart. I, I and I will, I'm going to admit something ahead of time. I think I am even more down on this movie because of people who I know who are raving about it. And I'm just like, no, now I have to be the voice of reason because <laughs> I, I, there were moments where I didn't hate this film, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of moments where I was actively angry at it and cursing at my television twice. because of my frustration with this, at least twice um, that I actively remembered when I sent that message to you is that like, this has made me, project words towards a screen that I know no one else could hear. Now, <laughs> part of me wishes I'd seen this in the theater. Maybe the energy in the room would have hyped me up a little more. Um, Maybe. But I was pumped. Like, I wanted to love this. And I'm I'm willing to... I like camp. Like, people are going to be, oh, you just don't like things that are, are not taking themselves seriously. No, I can totally get behind that. It's when it feels like the people who are making it don't appreciate the property that I start to take issue. There are self-referential things that could be cute. They could be fun, but they just feel like they're misplaced or or misinterpreted on how those jokes could land. And I think some of those jokes are in the old movie that I still think is engaging and entertaining. I don't think that old movie is perfect by any means, but I like it. Um, and I, I still find joy when I watch the original. I don't find any. And I'm sorry, Johnny Cage in the original movie is awesome. Cole Young as our lead here does not work. And I don't know if that's the actor 
or the writing or the fact that you have such a rich backstory of a universe that cramming somebody in and trying to retrofit them into the universe, not as an outsider, not as an audience surrogate, but as though they were always there as if they were a vital part of this Mm -hmm. world didn't work for me. And then I like to reference Blake Snyder and his screenwriting, even though I know he is a controversial figure. Some people blame him for the cookie cutter movies that we often get from Hollywood. And it's hard to dispute that because he gives you a formula that many, many screenwriters follow. Yet that doesn't mean there's not good advice built into that formula. And one of those things is in the, um, I'm going to forget the name of the archetype, but it's double mumbo jumbo. If you ask the audience to suspend their disbelief, and then you ask them to do it a second time. Mm-hmm. It's much harder for them to do it the second time because they've already suspended it for one thing. You've asked us to accept that this, this world, this earth is in a battle with other realms for the fate of humanity, essentially. And then you're like, and some of them are able to get superpowers randomly in haphazard ways that actually doesn't make any sense. And it never needed to be explained in any other iteration of this game. Well, now you've broke me. Now you've you've shattered all of my suspension of disbelief. Anything I was willing to put aside to let you tell your story is no longer there. My goodwill, sir, is gone. And I was done the second they started trying to explain that. And I had to watch nonsense take place. Now, I said I enjoyed some of this. I think some of the fights are very cool. I think some of them have some really cool ideas. Mm-hmm. I think the execution, especially when we talk filmmaking wise is off in the edit, especially I, I did not think the editing in the fights were, was very good. Again, that's not dissing the choreography or some of the things that happened within the fights, but how they are presented on the screen, I think could have been, and I've seen so much better. Um, I felt a lot of the performances were not great. I, I, I think Jessica McEnany, Macken, uh, that's probably how you say that, is uh, Sonya Blade. I thought she was really good. I was actually mm-hmm. pretty impressed with her. Bridget Nielsen was Sonya Blade in the 95 movie. Yep. And she's, she's all right. Like, she's not bad, but she's, you know, she's uh, she's in Billy she's Madison. I like her a lot in Billy Madison. You know, so I kind of give a little leeway. Josh Lawson as Kano, I really enjoyed. I read someone else's point. I don't remember who it was. I apologize. Uh, if it was, I don't even remember if it was a tweet or if I saw it on Letterboxd, but that they liked Lawson at first, but he wore on them as the film went on. And I kind of agree with that because I feel like he was trying to fill a void from Johnny Cage because Johnny Cage was such a charismatic kind of co-lead in the original film mm-hmm. that Cole Young does not bring anything to the table in that regard. Like he is just this blank slate, vanilla fighter. And it's like, ugh. Uh, oh, I'm supposed to have empathy because he has a family. But ugh, like that's not enough. You can't just do that. Like you got to give me something that I'm like. I mean, gosh, his family puts up more of a fight than he does, and like, there's nothing to this guy. Um, but so I, I enjoyed Kano, but I kind of agree. I don't think he's playing the full role that Kano would normally mm-hmm. play, and and there's stuff that just doesn't end up working. Um, I am a huge Sub-Zero Scorpion fan. I think most Mortal Kombat fans are. It's hard not to love those characters, right? I think most people who hate those characters hate them because everyone else loves them kind of yeah. thing, right? Um, so I was super hyped that the trailer should put them in the foreground. I mean, the poster is them. Yeah. So I'm like, great. They're going to they're gonna focus on these characters. Something that in the old movies, I feel like 
you want to avoid because they're faceless, right? Like they, they have a mask on. You can't quite make their emotions. It's the same thing we've seen in a lot of the comic book movies, why they make excuses, why they have to always have their helmets off or masks off because movie studio executives think we have to see their face to see emotion. I, I think we're past that now. So I thought, Hey, maybe we're getting these guys in the forefront of the game. They're going to be the lead characters and they're not, um, they're, they're, yeah, they, they do some cool stuff. They also do some stuff. I don't love. I'm not, completely thrilled with sub-zero's costume design to be honest it it looked cooler in the trailer i didn't think it looked as great here that's a personal preference i understand that sorry um yeah i i desperately wanted this to be an amazing like serious awesome movie instead i felt like it was overly campy the fights were fine but again i've seen much better fights in martial art movies um, they completely changed the plot to something I think is unnecessary. It feels more convoluted and complicated than it needed to be to be an engaging, exciting movie. Um, I, I think like a lot of the complaints of video game movies is that they try to cram um, the entirety of like a eight hour video game into a two hour movie. You just can't do it mm-hmm. or that there's not enough substance in the video game. Like I think the super Mario brothers movie and even arguably the Sonic movie, there's not enough substance from the source material that you have to, you have a blank slate and what do you do? And I think most people would argue the super Mario brother movie failed at that. And many people would argue the Sonic movie succeeds. Like it, it got enough of a story going to make it a compelling narrative. This took what I think mortal Kombat has a very straightforward narrative. That is very easy. It's been done to death in martial art movies, right? There's a tournament. The one fighter needs to win the tournament. There's high stakes. That's mm-hmm. the simplicity of the plot. They make this just all over the place, convoluted and, they kind of remove the essence of the tournament. So I don't think that was a good choice to be honest as a plot, you know, mechanism, but um, they, there are some of the, the, the violence in this movie. If you are a fan of the game, you have to at least appreciate the over the top exaggerated violence that the games have always provided that shows up on screen for the first time in the Mortal Kombat movies. I think that's, I think that pays good homage to the games. I think that's probably the most, game like elements that really worked for me in this. I was like, wow, that was crazy to see that done on screen. Um, I didn't need it, but to summarize, cause I will keep talking and I apologize, Matt. I did not mean to go as long as I have, but I am clearly passionate about how much I don't like this. Um, I had a friend say uh, the dialogue was crap, but I wasn't there for that. And my, uh, my thing and Matt and I went, uh, we were on the same side of a very divisive argument with the King of monsters. the, uh, what two years ago, uh, yeah, Godzilla film, that. where everyone was being forgiving, like, "Oh, we're not here for the humans." It's like, yeah, but they're there; they're in the movie. And you can't have one or the other. You should, what, what's wrong with one in both? Yeah, you can have both. And I think uh, what I would like to do is everybody have a little higher standard for what you're saying is great. Like, can you enjoy this movie? Yes. Can you also acknowledge that it's severely flawed? Yes. You definitely can do both of those things. Don't forgive them for for underselling you on one premise that is there. It's there. It's if this was a silent film, you're like, oh well, there's no dialogue. Cool. That's what they did. But they gave us mediocre to bad dialogue in this movie with mediocre to bad performances from some of the more important characters based on the story. And we can hold them accountable for that. And it's not wrong. Because again, we are giving them our money to see these things. 
feel like you can say something. You don't have to, because they're going to see an 87 RT score. They're going to see their box office and they're going to think it's okay to pump out a second one. That's probably going to be worse. If sequels have ever painted a picture of how that works, that is the, the trend, right? Movie two is rarely better than movie one. And why would they improve anything if everyone was happy with this one? Mm-hmm. That's my issue is like, I'm down with a sequel, but I don't want to see the same mistakes made. I wanted to go up because we Matt mentioned annihilation. Great example of it. What goes wrong with the sequel? They didn't improve. They, they ruined, they, they, they threw in every game reference they could possibly think of. And they, they really made the plot just subpar for annihilation. So I don't want that for whatever they're going to call the second mortal Kombat of this franchise. So say the right thing. So Matt, I'm sorry, but what did you think about Mortal Kombat from this year? God damn. How the hell do I follow that up at all, my friend? Um, um, right. I'm hearing exactly what you're saying there. And obviously you're coming at it from more of a, with more reverence for yeah. the franchise. And my buddy, Ant, he's been telling me, he's been playing the, the new games and he's been telling me that they've got some of the best stories he's played in a long time. Not just the, the actual gameplay, but the story, like the cutscenes, and the overall narrative is so good. Then the trailer drops. I'm thinking it's going to be not very good because I've still got the the taste of the '95 film in my mouth, which I watched wow. a couple of months ago. Um, and again, I thought it was cheesy fun, but not a great film. Um, yes, but I'll it was self aware enough. If you know, what I mean, it it, it kind of yeah. played upon that. It never, it wasn't trying to be tough or gritty at any point. I don't think. Um, just look at the awesome soundtrack for that. So I went into this with higher hopes than I thought I would do based on that trailer, which as you mentioned was boss. That trailer was really good. It did what every trailer should do and it, you know, amend your expectations for better or worse. And I was excited, man. So I've gone into watching this and I, again, you know me, I don't seek out reviews pre bamp or pre watching a film, but sometimes you see the, you get, you get a bit of a fl- flavor on social media and I'd heard it was very mixed. I'd heard a lot of people like this film and I heard a lot of people didn't like this film. It's kind of like you're either one or the other. It's so as it seemed. Um, so I went into this film and I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not on the same level as you side as you are totally for this. I enjoyed the film, but I, if I fit into the category of what you've just described of, you can enjoy a film whilst acknowledging that there are many things wrong with it. And that's where I fall. I had a good time watching this film, but I, I, I went whilst watching it. The first thing I noticed was uh, the uh, Lewis Tan is, is as Cole Young was vanilla, was flavorless in the lead. He wasn't the most charismatic lead whatsoever, and he's the one we got to follow. I don't mind them bringing in a new character for the film. I said that off air. I don't mind them doing that. But my big but there was you've got to make them. Relate, you've got to make them relatable. You've got to give them that charisma. You've got to give us something to bounce off and to feed off. And I don't think mm-hmm. they did that with Cole Young. Jessica McNamee, I thought she was decent as Sonya Blade. I first saw her about 10, 12 years ago in The Loved Ones, an Aussie horror. And she's kind of popped up in things here and there. And I thought she's fine in this. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Lawson, who plays Kano, kind of kept the movie afloat in terms of giving it the flavour of old. We mentioned 95. That had some, that had some gags in it and some levity. Kano was kind of the sole provider for me of that. If it wasn't for him, that like effing and jeffing his way through the film, I'm not t- the tone would have been so strange. 
because I think sometimes you need to have that self-awareness in a film like this, which Kano bought, but then towards the end, that kind of... For me, it didn't wear thin. It just wore off somewhat. But I enjoyed the fights. They were choppy edited, like we said. They uh, they weren't bang, 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 uh, quick cut, quick cut, quick cut. I didn't find. I could Mm. follow what was going on, but they were lacking something. They were lacking something, whether it was a spark, whether it was some kind of dynamism to make me think, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is hardcore. There was something missing. I enjoyed them and the choreography was fine. I liked it. I felt that there was something at stake in each fight, but uh, there's yeah. still something missing in each, in the, in those fights. Um, obviously they are, as you mentioned, look, they're, they're, they're hoping for sequels for the film. This film has done very well at the box office and it's the most streamed film on HBO max more so than Godzilla, twice as many as Justice League and Wonder Woman, twice as many of them. Really? So we're going to get it. Yeah, twice. It's like 3.8 million. This, this got, um, which is a lot. Um, and that's just, and that's just in the United States. So we're going to get a sequel, I imagine. And the film teases where that's going to go. And, and there's like, in terms of the Mortal Kombat tournament, there's one thing missing from this film. If you've watched it, you'll know what it is, which I imagine they're going to put in the second film, but it's a big risk. Yeah. pinning all your hopes on there being a second film and leaving out some quite vital components. If if the second film comes out and is actually great, we could look back at this and think, okay, this was a decent stepping stone to what was something, uh, that's something that was a lot better, but I do think it's a risky strategy. It's, it kind of, the pacing is a bit odd. I found as well. I think it started great, actually. You're not going to say, I think the beginning yeah. of this film's great, man. I really appreciate oh, yeah. the intro scene. I thought, this is when I was like, damn, this may actually deliver. This may be quality. And then we come into like the modern times with um, with Cole and it starts to drift off a little bit. With anything that kind of surrounded Cole, felt like the film deflated a little bit, I think. But there was enough here to keep me interested. I didn't think it was boring. I didn't think it was awful. Uh, I didn't think it was. Uh, I didn't think it was incredible. Is it one of the better video game adaptations? For me, I think it is. But again... There isn't a, the bar is like unholy in terms of how low it is, so yeah. I think it's successful with that. But I, I think they're but there's just so much they could have done with this to elevate it a bit more. So to me, it's a for me, I thought it was a it was a flawed good film, but the you know you, but there was a potential to be something really really quite good here, man. So I I will I want to at least lessen some of my my hatred my hatred as i noted is in response to the love that this movie is getting it, it definitely intensified as i was watching this i needed to i, I was getting frustrated one of my my uh, my editor for burke reviews who I've, i reference frequently um mm-hmm. he's yet to watch this or at least i think he might have finally watched it and I, he's someone i would have been bouncing off my frustrations with um and it might have tempered them a little i had no one there and then i reached out to big tuna who I reference ah. again a lot as well. Big Tuna loves this movie. In fact, when I referenced, when I messaged me him massively, he was seeing it for his second time when I was <laughs> messaging him. And I'm like, you went and saw it again. He's like, yeah, I loved it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And that I think made me even more like, what? that really surprised me is um, the, the running joke, which I like to throw in, like throw, pull out the pin, throw the hand grenade is big, big tuna. Our friend of the show. He, I always like to call him the contrarian. Cause you see, yes. he's, he's like an arm, arm and white light where if somebody likes this, you can, you can bet that big tuna, not out of malice, but he always seems to be on the other side. Whereas yeah. here, man, 
I think Matt, you will vouch for me. I don't usually take this stance where I act as a contrarian. I've done this with one other big franchise movie um, on my own where I was kind of the, and I guess franchise might be the wrong word, but I was very adamantly against Joker for similar reasons. Again, much like, much like Mortal Kombat, I have a lot of attachment to that property Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of my own takes on what I think it, what I'm, I'm comfortable with interpretation. I can deal with another version. I love a lot of the variant stories of the Joker even, but some things just when I see it being kind of bastardized, it bothers me. And I felt the scene early, not the first scene, the opening sequence with Scorpion and his, uh, in the old days is really cool. It's reminiscent of like a samurai movie. It's, it's cool. There's stuff in it that I think could have been better. Um, and I do think the editing and some of the action sequences in that is also very choppy uh, in, in a non continuity kind of way, which is, Hollywood filmmaking, we're all about continuity editing. So if I notice things don't look quite smooth enough, I'm going to notice. But the next scene, when we, uh, well, next couple of scenes, when when Jackson Cole meet, which is still very early in the film, they're on the run. Every choice that Jax makes makes zero sense in (laughs) any kind of logical (laughs) way. And it doesn't make sense for the movie to have to do it the way they do it, because there's plenty of examples where it would have made sense, but instead they opt for this kind of random chaos and it just feels like bad screenwriting. And that bugs me. And again, I know people go, Oh, but it's not about that, but it is about that. It's there. The plot is there. It's bad. Let's acknowledge that it's bad and ask them to do better because there are simpler versions. Cause that's the thing. You, when you have something that is so straightforward on the surface, two characters are running from a superpowered monster it's very easy to create scenarios where that fight's going to happen. Yeah. They make this fight make zero sense. Like why would Jax, who seems to do know nothing, does, yeah. do what he does? It makes no yeah. sense. And especially he's in a car. Keep driving. Especially like, when you could see what this other person is quite clearly capable of and you aren't capable of. You just yeah. be like, get the hell out of Dodge. And, um, Something else I think it's probably pertinent to mention on that. It's something we both uh, agreed on. You obviously vehemently more, but I, I'm with you on this. It's the idea of um, the powers that people in this film have and yeah. how they come to get them, how they manifest these powers. That is very a very strange uh, narrative device, the way, idea how they do that. Uh, you know, baby, you were born this way. Maybe yeah. not Gaga. It's yeah, a bit odd. But again, I'm not. I can say that coming from somebody who hasn't played the games. If that if that's in the games, which I don't believe it is, then fine. Okay, I will bow. To, I'll bow to that. But in in terms of this film, I thought it was a bit unnecessary. It's it's definitely not in the games. I I oh, feel okay. very confident having played. I, I'm pretty sure all of them. I've beaten eleven, ten, and nine for sure. I beat one, two, and three for sure. There's some some gray areas with the four to nine section, and I'm not 100%. I played every single one of them as actively. I definitely dabbled with all of them, including yeah. the DC Mortal Kombat crossover game. So, like, I am nice. pretty versed in the franchise, guys. But, um, again, it's not even because they changed something. That's not my issue. It's because they made it stupid. And, like, you don't need to make it stupid. It was just unnecessary. It was unnecessary. Like it's w- don't explain something that no one needs explained because it just becomes more likely that you're going to find problems with it and, and or have more questions that we never had in the first place 
only because you raised him. And another film did this a few years ago. It was called Power Rangers. They spent the whole film trying to get their powers, but they were the Power Rangers, and even then that was stupid. They spent the whole film trying to get trying to work out how they could have make their powers work, and they worked out in the end how to do it just at the nick of time. And I thought that was yeah. a bit silly in that film. And Actually, now that you mentioned that, that is here. a problem. I did I did enjoy that movie more than this one, to be fair. But <laughs> I um I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe I had. I, I liked Power Rangers, but it wasn't. It was never as big of an attachment for me as like MK. Like again, I so. I spent a lot of money playing this game in the arcade uh, back in the day, and I, um, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty good at it. I'm not like a, I'm nowhere near a pro or anything, but I'm I'm I can hold my own with an MK game. Um, I'll throw it down with you at some point one day, my friend. And long time listeners to the show or movie club, whatever knows that just because John likes a IP or something doesn't mean he's gonna. You know, I know, I know exactly where you're coming from. You're not hating this film because, well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I wanted when I was yeah. 15 years old. You're just, you, obviously, you're taking it from a film point of view, and yeah. on top of that, it, it can't having the uh, attachment you have, you kind of know what this could, where this could have been, or where this could have gone mm. more so than maybe me. So, um, for anyone listening yeah. who thinks JB really is just crapping on this, no, it's, it's coming from a technical place first, and then, then a yeah. place of love as well, was from my understanding. And I- my letterbox rating, I did give it two stars. So it might mm. sound like I gave it half a star. I didn't. I, I'm acknowledging ah. that there was some stuff in it that I enjoyed. For me, that's if you're a Burke Reviews reader, that's like the not a total waste of time because there is good stuff in this. There are moments yeah. that are enjoyable, but there's a lot that really irked me and upset me. And again, mm. because a lot of it felt like it didn't need to be there. Mm. And we would have had a better movie. So that's that's it. That's my MK take. I'm still flip-flopping where to give it. Because again, uh, there are some films I rate higher based on my enjoyment levels. Like I mentioned Godzilla vs. Kong. I, I may mm-hmm. rate that fairly high because I had yeah. a, I got a kick out of it. Not because it was a, for example, not because it's an 8 out of 10 film. To some people, that I, I rate mine based on how, my, how much I enjoy it. So if I give GVK 8 out of 10... I enjoy it. if I uh, Mortal Kombat for me at the minute is hovering around a seven out of ten for me yeah, because I've got, got a lot of things that I liked out of it. Some things were problematic, and obviously the lead was a bit odd, and the device that they use that kind of powers the film towards its end is a bit a bit rubbish. But for the most part, though, I enjoyed it, and I actually applaud the risk of them wanting to get that sequel because. Hell, if it's, that's what we're all about nowadays. You release a film, especially attached to such a big IP, you know damn well the studio, Warner Brothers, isn't sitting there thinking, listen, just just make one and play it safe. No, they want, they want more. They want this to become something bigger. And I think they're going to get that sequel. And this, my last point on it is the sequel has the potential to be pretty damn good. Like like John said, if, if, you, if, if the... Writers or directors or producers look at this and think of things that others have picked upon, which they didn't think was great. If they can build or learn upon those, and far be it for me to tell someone how to do their job, but if they can tweak a few things on top of what I think they're going to give us, this next film could be a could be a blast, could be a lot of fun. I know it's going to be yeah. great, but it could be a big old lot, a big old load of fun. Um, but who knows what this next film's going to be? Maybe we'll have a Maybe we'll have like the um, the second film syndrome, and the third film will be where we get all the good stuff. But who knows? I didn't mind this, John. Yeah. The question I've got, to, I ask you every week, though. 
after everything you said, would you recommend this film? Would you give it a thumbs up or thumbs down? I would, I would push thumbs down mm-hmm. before thumbs up. Um, I would probably though, being the, the very indecisive individual that I often am, <laughs> I would, I would want some context of what a person was looking for. Cool I would thing. probably say I don't, I am, I have a lot of issues with a lot of the things the movie does. However, if you're just looking for some interesting fights, I just think again, cause people act like, Oh, but it's, it's good. There are better martial art movies that you can watch for free on streaming services right, right. now than this movie, the raid. Oh man. And, and, and again, like we've come a long way from like the, the Jason Bourne shaky cam action. Uh, we've been very spoiled with movies like John wick. And I think atomic blonde, um, where you get these really in camera, you know, action sequences. You can't do that with Mortal Kombat because so much of it is CG generated characters. I get that you can't do a one take. You're going to have a lot of editing. I understand yeah. that technical side of it and I can be forgiving for it, but I just think there are way cooler action movies. Like if I was going to just uh, throw this, a movie on in the background, like where I just want to look up and see some cool fights. I have a lot of movies I'd pick way before Mortal Kombat, this Mortal Kombat. So yeah. Um, that's enough. my other argument. You know, I'd give it a thumbs up. I'd give it a recommendation. Yeah, it falls very much as a category of Friday, Friday night beer and pizza film, and you're probably going to have a good time. But there's better versions of, anyways. <laughs> so, um, I guess if you're looking for something you've never seen before, then go for it. Um, yes. That said, let's get into our next segment. We're going to do chopped headlines. Um, normally, this is movie or pop culture news that caught our attention, but. Uh, this week, there was this shiny statue waving itself, going, hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Here I am. Uh, oh, the babies have passed. Unfortunately, oh. this is the Oscars, the secondary awards for movies. Okay. Uh, but the Oscars happened this weekend, so this is what we got to talk about, because we are uh, honestly under contract uh, with nobody in particular, but because we talk about movies and the biggest movie award of the year has just happened, yep. we have to discuss it. And so this is us talking about the Oscars. Um I, for the first time in five years, did not watch the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, because I don't currently subscribe to any TV provider service, and ABC makes it complicated to watch if you don't have a subscription, which I find problematic. I this. Because if I had an antenna, like back forever, ABC is a broadcast channel. Yeah. But if you want to stream, you have to have a cable service provider of some kind. And I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if I could broadcast this on an antenna why can't i just stream it from your website like it and maybe i'm wrong i tried to use the app and the app required that so maybe if i'd gone to the website and watched it on my computer i could have i just i honestly didn't care enough um because i wasn't sure what the awards were going to look like uh i've not been encouraged by the golden globes or uh the emmys i I can't sit and watch a zoom call that's my job right now so the idea of watching a zoom call for four hours was not appealing i understand now that it wasn't a zoom call but i didn't really know and i didn't care to find out i was like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna follow the results as they come in and i'll be content with that yep um did you watch it uh, I watched some of it because it went on to about 4.15 a.m. Yeah. for you. I had the misfortune of uh, playing in my back, back garden, my backyard, sorry, for my American friends, uh, with my young daughter. And we were playing with some bubbles, and I was spinning around with them, and I must have just developed vertigo or something because I spent the rest oh. of the day feeling like, do you know when you just feel like dizzy and it's like on the verge of being sick? Yeah. And it got, it got to like midnight, and I, I was literally like, my head was pounding. Like, and I was like, got another hour to go before this starts. I was like, well, no, I'm going to brave it out. And I got through, I got through an hour and a bit of it. And I was like, nope, I've, I've got to go to bed. And, but 
what I'll say about the awards this year is yes, nobody watched the Ballers Towns because the viewership was cut in half. Is uh, of all I yes, there were some some surprises or some issues people had, which I'm sure we'll touch upon in a minute. However, looking through the winners again, I disagree with none of them, and that doesn't happen very often. Of all of the major ones, I, there's none I disagree with. John, I was looking out to see. Did Sound of Metal win Best Sound? Yes, right. That's yeah. the only thing I care about. Good. Um, but no, like, I mean, technical, visual, Tenet won visual effects. Should we go through who won? Quickly try to shout them out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so writing for original screenplay, Promising Young Woman. Uh, am I happy with that? Me too. Yep. Uh, adapted was The Father. Uh, yeah, I've seen, seen what it's up against. Yep. Good movie. Uh, visual effects, Tenet was always going to win this, I think. Very cool movie. Uh, sound of Metal won Best Sound. That was that had to happen. Yes, sound. The sound editing in that is so good. So like, totally needed to happen. Yeah. Uh, moving on to production design was Mank. I can't argue with that. No. Uh, best uh, Best Original Song. This is the one I wanted to win, and it did. It was Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah by um, her H.E.R. It's got Marvin Gaye tones to it, like um, Inner City Blues. So I was dead pleased that one, uh, but I think Speaker Now was expected to win by Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. Uh, best original score, Soul, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. No arguments there for me. Uh, are you oh. disgusted by that? No, not at all. I mean, they're, they've really proven to be uh, quite good. Also, uh, John Batiste did some of the music too, yeah. I think. Were. Yeah, he, was um, he did the jazz side of it. I mean, they've done some amazing scores over the last 20 years, right? Like these two guys. So no. I'm not surprised. Well, they were nominated for Mank in the same category as well. Um, makeup and hairstyling went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. International feature film, Another Round. Editing, Sound of Metal. So another win there. Uh, let me scroll on up to costume design was Ma Rainey. I mean, that was anything between Ma Rainey and Mank potentially could have won that. So no issues there. Uh, actually, here's the, here's the one. Which I the only one I don't disagree with, but I'm I didn't think was going to win because I didn't think it would was cinematography. Uh, Eric Messerschmidt won for Mank. I mm. was sure Nomadland would win this. Yeah, honestly, I was a little surprised at that too. Um, but I mean, Mank has got some great cinematography. Okay. You know, they do they they uh, pull some of the lighting techniques that you see in Citizen Kane in the movie. So like you mm. have the you know the really dark shadows. So it, it makes sense. Yeah, nothing wrong. Uh, best animated film was Soul. I know you went wanted Wolfwalkers, weren't you? Didn't you? I did. I very. I, I like Soul. I, I'm also a big fan of Onward, but I mm. loved Wolfwalkers. Wolfwalkers yeah. really, really hit for me. So I wanted that to win. Yeah. Uh, okay, and and not to not to the detriment of the other awards, but obviously the business end now. The big ones. Best supporting actress went to Yu Jung Yun for Huge. Minari. Such a such an awesome win. A shame. That in 2021, it is a first of a Korean um, actress to win an award, yeah. but also awesome that that finally has happened, right? Like that's it's oh, yeah, uh, we can't ever have a first again. And now, hopefully, yeah. it will be accepted amongst the masses, which is ridiculous to have to say. Uh, best supporting actor, here we go Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, super well deserved. Yeah. Only thing, I, I honestly. The only person on this list that I wouldn't have given the award to is Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago 7. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think everyone else on that list is fantastic. I think Lakeith, honestly, I think Lakeith maybe should have won supporting and Kalula been nominated for 
for best actor because mm-hmm. I think he's the. I still feel like he's the lead. I know Lakeith is technically the lead because he is the Judas of of the title, but I don't know. Um, either way, I think one of them should have been in the best actor category yeah. uh, instead of competing against each other. But yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, my friend. Uh, we'll get this. We'll get this in the correct order now. So let's go to the best actress, uh, and that went to Frances McDormand for Nomadland. I'd pegged her to win. Because yeah. I assume Nomadland was going to be a runaway train. Would have liked to have seen Carrie Mulligan or any of them, in fact. But I think Frances McDormand was always going to win. Yeah, I would have liked to see Carrie um, for that. But again, I'm not. I'm not upset. Frances is great, and yeah. almost always, I, I can't think of a bad performance she's given. Um, and uh, she's really great in Nomadland. So it's not. It's not that it's not a deserving win. I just we just saw her win what two years two or three years ago yes, with three billboards. Um, John had the John had one scene in Nomadland which ended up looping. So obviously that's his Oscar scene for her. Yeah, you remember indeed. that one? Um, I think I, th- <laughs> I think I think Frances McDormand has been nominated three times for Best Actress. One one all three of them, which is a hundred percent batting record. Is it's not bad at all. Um, Best Actor. Here we go. Best Actor went to beforehand I did a who do I think should win and who do I think will win did it the other day with Eric Eilerson I said I think Anthony Hopkins should win but I think Chadwick will win turns out Anthony Hopkins did win for the father now I'm pleased with this because I think he was he crushed my soul you yeah. thought he was good but there was a asterisk there didn't wasn't if I remember rightly for Anthony Hopkins yeah cause I'm sure you remember saying that towards the end of the film he thought he got mm, Oh, I, I did. I noted that it got a little. But in my review of the father, I say the guy who does the engraving should go ahead and put Anthony Hopkins' oh, yeah. name on it because yeah. I was. It's a tremendous performance. I, I I think my my caveat wasn't that it was bad, but it it was a moment where it could have gone south, and I think that interpretation of gotcha. is he going too far or not could make or break. Mm-hmm. I I was so blown away by that movie. Yeah, um, and I, that bit. I I saw all of the these guys. I would have again been happy with any of them winning yeah um uh i like that chadwick's family's come out and said that they don't feel like this is a snub and it's not because all five guys deserve that trophy like there's not a bad performance here i personally wanted riz ahmed because yes. sound of metal was my favorite movie of last year i thought he was tremendous and i've become a really big fan of his since then um and honestly steven young like winning would have been huge right because yeah. I, I mean the dude started as like uh, an ancillary character on a zombie Walking show. Dead, yeah, yeah. Like, like he wasn't even the main guy and he's now stepped up and he's, he's really proven himself as this tremendous leading man who just can bring so much gravitas and so much pathos to a character. Yeah. Um, and his performance in Minari's award worthy, like for sure. So any one of these guys, and I mean, it's Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. It's Gary Oldman. It's Gary, it's, isn't it, man? It's Gary I, Oldman. Um, like, well, my buddy Eric said on the pre-show that I think he said it quite quite well. Actually, is I paraphrase, but he said that this this wasn't Riz Ahmed's year to be because there was one or two uh, performances yeah. that were better. But this is his star making performance. This is the one to make everyone sit up and be like, right, Riz Ahmed. He, this is the talent now. You know, yeah, he he's he's the real thing, and we're yeah, gonna any see up here, he probably wins. <laughs> Do you know right. what I mean? Any up here, he's going to win. But Chadwick Boseman, we've said before, I think he was magnificent in Ma Rainey. Had Chadwick taken the posthumous Oscar, I wouldn't have had an issue whatsoever because to nope. me, it would have felt deserved. It wouldn't have felt like that anyone's being handed to. A lot of the discourse online, I find quite frankly disgusting. Um, 
you know, it's not Anthony Hopkins' fault that he won. No. Uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman's family attended, were invited to attend, and they did to honour Chadwick's memory. They weren't invited on the proviso that he wins. And yeah. what, I, what a lot of people find outrageous, which, which I also do, was shifting this category to be the last of the night because yes. ABC have even said they did it on a whim. They were hoping that Chadwick won, so it would be the big finale. And that's why it ended so abruptly, because they were caught with their trousers and pants down, basically. And it was disgusting to, you know, to try and use, be so manipulative and use somebody's passing as a way to, you know, end your show and get a uh, drum up more interest is, is despicable. So I have no issue with Chadwick Boseman not, not winning or, Anthony Hopkins not turning up to a, to to give a speech. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. He's old, pandemic, but yeah. shifting this to the final uh, category, man, feel, just feels wrong in every way. And it's it's they they've never done that before, right? Like this was not the first about, time, not for about seventy years, like the forties, I think, or the fifties. Yeah. That's it's the the timing could not have been like even if they had been planning on doing that prior. Now you have to reconsider because of how it's going to be read by the audience. Yeah. It's going to look like you did this for the reason you just said, and there's no getting around that. It just seems that way. Yeah. It seems like you've mis misjudged uh, sorely and that's not cool. Yeah. You take a leap of faith, but you know, sometimes you've got to make sure there's someone there to catch you. In this case, there wasn't. And doing it correctly, ending with, uh, no, we're not best director. Almost forgot doing it correctly. Yeah. though, going on to the direction. Now, uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, probably the biggest given of the night, I think. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's still a huge thing for her to win it. So let's, when we say oh, a given, it wasn't a given any other year, but this year, yeah, given the, the, the buzz, um, the other awards, you know, leading up to this, it definitely seemed like it was a given and man, what a huge thing. Second woman ever to win a it's best wild. directing Oscar with only Catherine Bigelow before her. And thus the first woman of color yep. to win a directing Oscar. So huge milestone, Again, one that should have probably been broken many years ago, but of the directors who could have broke it, Chloe Zhao is deserving. I'm not saying the other ones wouldn't have been, but Chloe Zhao definitely is deserving. Her movies have been tremendous. They leave a mark every single time, and I'm excited to see uh, what's next. You know, we get The Eternals sometime Man. soon that she's directed. I, I am so time. curious. Yeah, but to see her take on a on a superhero film, I'm so intrigued. And a Marvel superhero I, film I can't like that. See how it's, I can't imagine how it's going to play out. I, can, I know it's going to work. Well, I certainly hope it will. I just can't imagine how, how it's going to play out. She's she's got. I, I I'm expecting it to be so character centric, and if it's yep. not, I'll be very disappointed. Um, yep. We have seen some of the indie directors who have stepped into the roles not get to be themselves. I think you see that with. Uh, I like Captain Marvel. A lot of people didn't, but it. I am. I can't think of the directors' names now. It's a team. They've done a few things: Mississippi Grind and Full Nelson were uh, two of their movies beforehand. I can remember all of that. I cannot remember their names to save my life. But uh, I don't feel like you see their voice come through in Bowden Captain Marvel. Fleck. That's it. Um, Anna Bowden, I believe, is uh, That's right. her. Um, that, so maybe we don't see Chloe Zhao's signature on uh, Eternals, but maybe we waste. do. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we get to. What a waste if we don't. To me, to me it was a given because... Nomadland was the best directed film of the year. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's to me. But also I think it seemed to be the I, runaway train. And I guess mean, what? It, if Emerald Fennel had won, I'd have been okay with it. But it did seem like Chloe Zhao was the, the likelihood. Yeah. And, and guess guess what won Best Picture? Of course, Nomadland, there was um, a lot of hope 
amongst film fans that maybe promising young woman would pull out some pull out a big old shock or what it got Minari came in for a late swing. There was talk as well that this trial of Chicago Seven was going to be was going to cause a massive upset because that got a massive push in the last few days in terms of like your odds and that. Suddenly it went from outsider to second favourite and quite close. But um, this is one to me. This is one of the strongest best picture lineups in in recent years, which is funny because of yeah. the year we've had. I genuinely movie- think it's one of the best lineups, man. Yeah, and the movies that we didn't get, um, yeah, now we're starting to get like so. But yeah, a uh, very good lineup. I I would have been pretty happy with most. I wouldn't have been happy with Trial winning. I like Trial. I think you, you and I both were fans. Yeah, we all we like also, that film, yeah. uh, Not not advocating it as the best. Um, I I think Sound of Metal and Promising Young Woman are a little better than Nomadland. I think Nomadland mm-hmm. is really good. It's excellent. Yep. Like, technically, it's the best for me. Yeah. Um. But I would have. Uh. I would have. I was happy with pretty much anybody. So yeah. um, Minari would have been really cool uh, as well. Just again, because we're, we're, you know, American best picture. We've, we've been ignoring the international and or foreign language films, depending on, I forget which category is not, is it is now if it's international or foreign language, I think it's international. I think it's international. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, very, very happy with the overall um, like winners. Again, I, I think this year, uh, the overall nominees just felt right for the most part, right? Like there was no, yeah. like, I mean, the thing that's missing is Spike Lee, like the five bloods not being acknowledged. One nomination all. for, I think, I think that's for best original song. I believe it was or something like that. Yeah. It was, that was unrefreshed when Delroy Lindo was most people's front runner, even towards the end of the year last year, that, yeah. it, because he really was fabulous in that. Um, but yeah, I can't, I mean, yeah, Borat 2 getting so many nominations did surprise me massively. Um, yeah. but I, I also seem to be in the minority there. I think Bacalova was very good in the film, but I didn't realize that she was Oscar worthy. I must have missed something, but, um, and on, on Nomadland winning, actually that's another Oscar for Francis and Chloe because they both produced the film. So hey, ah. they've got another Oscar on their mantelpiece. I did wonder why Chloe Zhao had two Oscars. I was like, what's she got for director? What did she get the other one for? But as a producer, for best picture, she gets it. It's not the director. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've got no issue with this year's, um, Oscars. I think the nominations were pretty much spot on apart from, like you say, the complete lack of Spike Lee. Um, other than that, no, I have got no issue. I've said all along, if Nomadland sweeps the board, I've got no issue because technically I I think it's superb. The way, the, 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 how, how it is just, put together and how it's presented and constructed, I think is fabulous. So my friend, I have no issues with the Oscars this year, uh, but the Razzies, well, that's another story for another show. In, oh yeah, indeed. Uh, <laughs> I actually didn't look at the winners for the Razzies. I don't think I did uh, look I at the nominations. Film one, uh, all of them. Uh, that would make sense. A lot of hate in that direction. Uh, well, that's, that's the headlines. Uh, the Oscars stole the headlines from us this week. There was nothing else uh, that we were grabbed by that we must discuss uh so let's get into what we've been consuming so media consumption is our next segment these are movies tv uh shows video games music podcasts etc that we use to pass the time between recordings um we start matt what have you been watching since the last time we recorded uh i've been watching uh, a few things actually i've been listening to a podcast series by a group of guys called the halloweenies it's a horror-based podcast which uh 
similar to what JB does with his film viewing of the week. Uh, I mentioned last week, I'd watch Freddy versus Jason. God help me. Wanted to go on and see if there's any podcast, which I wanted to hear what other people thought about it. Uh, I found this, these people, these Halloweenies. Uh, and uh, like I said, they, they, they've taken at a minute, the three, three of the big horror franchises, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Once a month, they release like a two hour show where they discuss one of the films per one of the films in a franchise. So each year they take a franchise. So, um, uh, and I, I, I saw Freddy versus Jason, listened to that. And I thought, you know what? I want to go back and I've never seen podcasts dedicated to the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Cause to me, it's got, they've got the flaws. They've got their ups and downs, but it's other than the, the last one. Well, Freddy's dead. The sixth one. And to a point, the second one revenge It's the most consistent, uh, coherence, uh, horror franchise there is because all of the films tie in they all build upon each other and they all tie back into each other even if they're not the best films of, uh, as we go along some are some aren't they tie in and I was like do you know what I really want to go back and watch the series now and then do a JB watch the first film listen to the episode watch the second film listen to the episode that's so why I've been doing that basically listen, watching all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films listening to these guys have a chat about it um, again it's not a huge podcast you know I think their following is about 3000 online. So, you know, pretty decent, but not huge, but it's just good to hear like people talking about, you know, a nightmare on Elm street, uh, the dream master or something, which you don't usually hear. So I've been watching all seven of those, including new nightmare. Uh, I will have, and I watched the remake the other week again for my sins to film about not falling asleep. Well, I tell you, it's a very good way of making you, um, I watched 30 Days of Night, Josh Hartner film, vampire film for NPM this week, covering that this week. It came out of the random generator for us to watch. So uh, I quite enjoy that. I quite like that film. I've only ever seen it once when it came out, and I still in- I still like it now. And I've been watching a couple of newer films. I watched Nobody, the Bob Odenkirk. Ah, uh, I want to see that. John Wick-esque film, and uh, spoiler-free I thought it was good. Surprisingly, I thought it'd be rubbish. I thought, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see Bob Odenkirk in an action film. It'd be naff. I, I enjoyed it. Um, again, not without its, it's not without its flaws or kind of lack of depth, but I had a good time with it. I was enjoyed, enjoyed I as engaged. Bob Odenkirk does kick ass in the film and it isn't a rip on, yes, the, the team behind John Wick is here. Is in, it makes this film, but it isn't a John Wick rip to me. Doesn't feel like that whatsoever. There's there, there's enough to set it apart from John Wick, and you know Bob Odenkirk makes a surprisingly say relatable but believable action hero. Watch the film and you, you'll all see what I mean. But I enjoyed it. It does go towards the end. It goes you know but it's actiony. But I enjoyed Nobody. It's got some great scenes in it. And I also watched Chaos Walking, the uh, lesser known, the fable, the mythical Doug Liman film that completely <laughs> came out with uh, the English Rose, Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland. And again, top level thoughts, 22% on RT. A bit like Hillbilly Elegy. I'm not going to go down that road and say two out of 10 people like this. I watched it and I didn't find it to be grossly offensive. It's down the middle for me. It has a lot of issues. You can tell it's been reshot because Tom Holland's hair changes <laughs> in, in, in the same scene a few times. But it... It just feels like a missed opportunity. I think it's a good story. They they didn't develop on one of the major parts of it. The, you've got Mads Mikkelsen in it. You've got Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland. You've got a great cast. They're all good in it. 
the story could have could have the story treatment could have had another run over i think to make it stronger but i mean this film's been four years in the making but i don't think chaos walking is a two two point two out of ten or twenty two percent whatsoever maybe a five and a half maybe six there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it i know people will be sitting there saying what film did you watch did you watch the same one yeah it goes it it takes its premise and kind of throws it all over the place and there's not really a much direction things happen just because they need to an awful lot but again i watched it and didn't feel bored i was i was engaged but i think that may be more to the start due to the star power in the film the presence of the actors made me like it more but hell you may watch chaos walking john i think it was the worst thing you've seen all year but i didn't <laughs> think it was all that bad to be honest i don't think it, it you know like us with he'll be an elegy i don't know if there's like a knee-jerk reaction going on but it's, chaos walking's fine um I watched the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale. Usually we save these to link in, but I also watched Invincible. I've caught up on the last few episodes, well, not the last, the current episodes of Invincible on Amazon Prime. I've been saying how much I enjoy that uh, series, and I said to John, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Before that, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, thought it ended well. I've got no issues with the end. I thought it was a nice contained ending. Um, people must stop hoping to get a big like slam dunk ending with huge cameos and Luke Skywalker turning up. It's not what that <laughs> series. The series was never about that. Um, and Invincible, really enjoying it. But John, you've been watching Invincible Avenue, not just one episode. Yeah, no, I have binged all seven episodes since our last <laughs> recording. Um, uh, I I watched episode one, I think Thursday night, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I'm going to have to, um, especially it ends on a bit of a, like, if you weren't into it by the end, you're, you have to be into it at the end. Cause you're just like, what's going on? I need answers. Um, and I will say that is the kind of running story. And I, I think the show is doing a really cool job. I, I am aware of the comic. I don't think I've actually read any of the comics. Um, I am very intrigued now and I'm, I'm, I haven't, I keep forgetting to look. I want to see if it's available uh, to check out from my digital library, like the, yep. um, because I'm really intrigued if the, if the comic book is as interwoven with all these characters as the show is, because the show is called invincible. Uh, Steven Young is the voice of that character. Yep. Um, the voice cast is a lot of big stars. And some people I've heard complain about that, that like it takes away from like the, uh, animation when you know the actors or when you know their voice. And there's like Jason Mansukis is the voice of one of the characters, very recognizable voice. And I think you could argue the same with JK Simmons. Yeah. Um, you know, it's JK Simmons, but, but it's JK Simmons, but yeah, I'm not upset at that. I'm like, cool. JK Simmons yeah. is doing a terrific job as Omni man. I love him in this role. Um, I love the cast. I think the cast has been tremendous. Uh, Walter Goggins, I think is the, the all-star here though. Almost unrecognizable. Yeah. He, it doesn't sound like him to me. I still can't, like, I'm like, I don't hear it, but the performance is so good. He sounds way older than he is, I think. Yeah. And although he's definitely older than I think he is, because he's been around for a while. I just keep forgetting that. Um, but I, I, I've i really hooked. I am very mad that I am done, because episode eight doesn't come out till Friday. And if I had just <laughs> waited one week, I wouldn't have had to wait a, no. a week. Um because now I'm like, I want to know what happens. It ends on a bit of a cliffhanger on episode seven to build up for uh, episode eight. Um, yeah. Also, uh, I think um, Jillian Jacobs, who's on Community as Bria, is uh, Adam Eve. She's yes. terrific on this as well. Yeah, I think everyone's she's doing, great, aren't they, man? Yeah, I, I'm blown away with a lot of this show. And, Across the board. 
It's very violent, so know that going in. This is yes. not a kid-friendly comic book character <laughs> or cartoon. Um, I think comic book movies in general, we heard this with Deadpool. Pa- parents just assume because it's a comic book, it's for kids. Not true. And an American problem is we assume animation is for kids. Should have gotten past that at this point. We've had you know 20 years or more of adult-themed cartoons. Family South guy. Park, Beavis and Butthead, Family Guy, even... I mean, The Simpsons walks a tightrope, but they, they, you know, they're still more family oriented, but they yeah. definitely lean a little, a little more jokey joke. But um, Invincible is definitely not meant for young kids, even though it's both a cartoon and a comic book property. But it is uh, Robert Kirkman, who did The Walking Dead. Um, and man, this take, um, it's if you like The Boys, if you like The Watchmen, this is definitely in a similar vein. It's doing its own thing. Oh, great. Yeah. But, um, but it's in a similar vein of this kind of uh, deconstructing the traditional s- superhero it's stories. It's funny because I watched The Boys and Invincible together. I, I watched so I, I was introduced to those and I uh, started watching those together. And also The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. But God damn, you could see the difference. I watched The Boys and Invincibles and I put the next Falcon on and suddenly that feels a lot more mundane. When I compare it to yeah. what I've just been watching, not bad, not in a bad way, but the like you say, deconstructing the traditional idea of what a superhero film or production should be, and you go and watch something like The Boys or Invincible, and suddenly you realise that yeah, it can be more, but obviously targeted at the right audience. But I'm glad you're enjoying it, though, man. Yeah, it's great. Um, so that's I watched the Falcon and Winter Soldier too. I also liked the last episode. There's been a lot of discourse online of people kind of like nitpicking and criticizing. Um, there is a, a reveal that I think is lackluster yeah. um, and yeah. also maybe, maybe pointless. And it could be, I haven't heard for sure if it, if it has been announced that it was like they had a pivot because of the, the pandemic and maybe that was what they ended up having to do. Mm-hmm. It definitely didn't land uh, as strongly as I think it could have. And also I might, the people I've spoken with about we we've kind of questioned like why though why that character why did that character make that decision it doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. um and so I don't know but overall I liked it and I I thought um, Anthony Mackie really was able to carry some hard scenes like uh, uh, other actors maybe wouldn't have been able to sell some of the speeches they have him give um and th- them come off as earnest and and inspirational they could have came off as pandering or yeah, or I mean- cheap. Um, or hammy and and i i think he's i'm really impressed with anthony mackie i i don't know like he's been in a lot of stuff that i've seen i don't know that he often gets to be the lead i've and, never been overly impressed with, I, I think he's a solid actor but yeah solid is the word i'd describe myself but yeah when he's given a role in this this role's made for him and it and it works yeah and i think i think he was asked to do a lot at the end of this and I think he does a great job. Um, same thing. Honestly, I love Bucky. I think Sebastian Stan is awesome in this, um, especially the last episode. I really think some of the the chemistry that was missing maybe in the first episode really yeah. shows up in this last episode. Um, that said, uh, I haven't seen a lot of movies this week. Um, I've been playing some computer games. Nothing worth talking about, really. Just you know, a few minutes of this, a few minutes of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, this week was the last episode of the Elaine May Blank Check podcast series, right? Mm-hmm. The last movie she directed was Ishtar. Now, Matt... Ishtar. Isabel Ishtar, Rajani. Yes. Um, yes. Well, that's funny that that's the, the actress that you would go with because it stars Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. um, at kind of the peak of their careers. Like, this is the, the movie after Tootsie mm-hmm. for, uh, for Dustin Hoffman, and it is the movie after Reds for um, 
Warren Beatty, right? Yeah. And this movie is notoriously bad by <laughs> many standards. Um, and, and it's uh, Elaine May's career is often cited for this flop. And the reason why it's often thought of as bad is because of the numbers. This movie has a, a very high budget and it, it did very bad in the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I start this movie with that anticipation that this is supposed to be one of the worst films ever made. 20 minutes in, I'm like, I'm loving this. What's wrong with everybody? Wow. And then about, about an hour later, I'm like, okay, I can totally see why a lot of people don't love this, but that there's stuff in this movie that is great. Like absolute hilarity ensues. Warren Beatty is playing so against type. Um, I'm having, I'm still having a good time. It ends, it ends pretty strong too. It's not perfect, but I'm like, okay, this is not a horrible movie for the the reputation that it has. So now I'm waiting with anticipation to hear the episode mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, I got to hear what my, my fellow film loving uh, podcast host Griffin and David, I wish they were my co-host too, but I, <laughs> I listened to them um, what they thought. Uh, and I, they, and they had, uh, I'm a big fan of the McElroy brothers. Um, they, they do the, uh, my brother, my brother and me podcast. And mm-hmm. they also have the adventure zone podcast, which I, that's how I got into them. I listened to, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons episodes um, from uh, I started listening last summer and uh, their father who is on the Adventures of Podcast, Clint McElroy was the guest for Ishtar. And uh, I then realized that I had listened to all of the McElroy brothers on blank check before I'd ever listened to the Adventures Zone. they'd all done an episode at this point And I had, didn't realize who they were at the time. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I never made that connection. So that was a cool kind of, uh, my podcast world's uniting moment um, for me that I also got to have, but yeah, they all are very similar. Ishtar is an underrated film that definitely is uneven. It's not mm. perfect by any means, but man, the scenes that work, especially again, that first 20 minutes or so, so funny, so great. Um, Hoffman and, and Beatty are just, just, it's so, it's so great. Um, it's a very interesting movie. Definitely worth checking out. It was apparently really hard to get a hold of. Uh, Coca-Cola was the, um, the company essentially that made this movie because they had bought Columbia pictures and, uh, they threw a lot of money at this movie. Like, um, uh, the, the legend is that they were going to shoot, uh, the desert scenes in like LA, California area, but they had money like on hold in Morocco. So like, they're like, no, 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 we have this money that we can't spend anywhere else. So we're just going to send you to Morocco. So like they (laughs) made the film, they kind of inflated the budget on their own because they had like money that they couldn't spend in any other way. So like, yeah. yeah. So they send them to Morocco in the middle of like a war, which is partly what the movie's criticizing. So it's, it's a crazy story. Like listening to the, uh, the, the movie's under two hours. The podcast episode is two hours and 40 minutes long talking about the movie. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a, it's a good episode. Definitely recommend. Um, so I watched Ishtar uh, for the movie club podcast. We covered two Leica films last week. Um, we had watched the week before, um, the box trolls and we were supposed to record Corey wasn't feeling well. So we decided to just do a double episode last week where we uh, also watched missing link. The last mm-hmm. like a film. Um, it's my second time seeing missing link. I like it. I, I don't think it's the, it's not the best like a film. I don't think it's the worst like a film, but I don't think there's a bad like a film. I think they're all good or like a, I've heard it pronounced both ways now, but um, then I'm, I'm just going to, I got to see psycho Gorman which was available. I think it is available to uh, rent still. It was available to buy like on, on disc and stuff, but I'm under embargo because of how I was able to see it. 
um, because it's going to be dropping on a streaming service in a couple of weeks. Guess what uh, I've and... got in my inbox. Oh, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> yeah I haven't I, watched it yet. I think we should make that our review for that week when it drops on the streaming yeah, service. Uh, because I, I definitely want to talk about this movie. I can't say anything right now. All I can yep. say is I want to talk about it. I saw it and um, look forward to my written review. I actually uh, wrote a review for this. And also, oh, it sounds like maybe a podcast episode in a couple of weeks. Um, because uh, it's it's something that a lot of people are going to be able to watch, in theory, um, pretty soon. So we'll get back to Psycho Gorman later on. Sweet. Um, with that, let's get into uh, the most important part of this podcast. Because in order for this podcast to exist, Matt and I have to muster a level of awesome that some might say is a bit bloody. And what we want to know is how are each other staying bloody awesome? So Matt, tell me, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome? Well, uh, just like an attack from Sub-Zero, hell has frozen over. And I've decided to do some writing again. I've been threatening for <laughs> months on the show. Oh, I'm going to do a review every now and then soon. I've actually started doing it. I've gone back and done some, I say retrospective reviews are only a few months old, but that's some of the films that we've actually covered on this episode, on this show from a few months back. I'm just writing those um, little ones, just sort of like the usual kind of um, a paragraph or two, and then linking to you know, listen more, more thoughts on the band. But getting back into the swing of writing and it, it seems to be tied in with when the big films are coming out, which is what I thought would happen mm. when the bigger films are coming out. You know, I'd want to write, you know, three, 300 words about them or whatever it might be. Um, kind of gets the idea of like going back to the cinema again, the theater again, get the whole experience coming back is kind of making me want to do it again. So been getting back into writing my friend again, not 1000 word dissertations. That's not even a dissertation. Um, not big old things, but just a paragraph about a certain film. And it's kind of getting me thinking, do you know what? Yeah, I, I quite like doing this again. I quite like doing this sort of short form uh, writing. And hearing you, you've done a, a written review as well. I was like, God damn, yeah. what's happened to us, man? I know. I, I wrote my review last night um, and it felt it felt good. Uh, it, it The words came to me a little easier. I didn't feel like I was like sitting for too long. I actually think it took longer than I felt like it took, which is a good sign. Like I yeah. want to be lost in the writing and not feel like I'm just sitting there staring, trying to get words to come to me. Um, I, sometimes, especially when you, we did the, the the film festival and we had to write so many back to back, I start to feel like I'm just repeating the same thoughts, even about different movies. Like I'm just like, I'm coming to the same well of ideas of how to express the thoughts. And when, when that starts happening, it, it is hard to, uh, to muster up the energy to write. Especially again. when you, you have to as well. I mean, we, we, we want to write about film, but obviously when you've agreed and you know for, for all the best and to agree to f- cover a film festival which is a lot of fun you obviously kind of beholden to uh to covering it of course to writing about it so there's that and like, like you say when you feel like you're repeating the same thing it can lose its luster quite quickly but um it's coming back now with all the the big releases coming out and hopefully some some new gems but uh what about yourself though my friend um, so I, I've, I constantly talk about like health and, and stuff, but cooking is always um, a, a passion. I don't, I could never be a chef because I don't like being told to do something on demand like that, yep. but I like to cook. And um, I had not had uh, egg foo young. And I think I tried it once several years ago, but we got, we got Chinese takeout the other day and I, I got egg foo young on a way. I was like, I need something, a lot of protein. And um, 
I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to go ahead and try it. And so I got the roast pork egg foo young, and I really, really liked it. I liked it so much that I was having a craving for it again a couple of days later, but like, we don't want to keep going out to eat. It's a lot of money to get Chinese food, and you always end up with too much food, and then mm-hmm. it's a lot of like excess calories. So I'm like, it can't be hard, right? Like, It can't be a hard dish to make. I make eggs all the time, so I looked up a recipe. I only had some of the ingredients, but I always have a lot of like the, the basic Asian like seasoning and spices yeah. and stuff like that. So I'm like, I think I can make this work with what I have. I had some frozen peas. I had a can of like a... Uh, chicken breast like you know like kind of like tuna but with chicken mm-hmm. um i'm like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna make like a, a egg foo young with chicken looked up the recipe followed it and oh man oh man it was so good dude i crushed <laughs> it uh, it, it was it, I, it wasn't quite as good as what they had because they had more vegetables like i had peas in, in that that was all i had really available i had a little bit of garlic i threw in that as well mm. but you know the soy sauce and i got the seasoning right and um cooking it is the challenge right you want that right texture and that's where I, I cook a lot of eggs. I eat a, a, probably too many eggs um, as part of like the high protein diet and uh, egg for young. And I, instead of regular rice, I made cauliflower rice with it. So that was my like concession there. Um, mm-hmm. But man, it was, it was a good lunch. It, it took a little bit. It was like, it's cause you got to make like in batches. You can't do, uh, you know, you're making, you only have one pan, yeah. but yeah, man, uh, it, it came out, it came out real good. So it's something I think I've added to my, my, uh, repertoire of things I can make that are kind of cool. It sounded a little fancy, like, Oh, I, you got some vegetables and you got some meat. I can make some egg foo young. Let's hook it up. You know, uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. Just need a little bit of soy sauce and it's, uh, it's, it's good, man. And sesame oil is key. I've learned yes. that in the last year about making, uh, any kind of Asian cuisine. If you don't, if you're not willing to shell out on the, the sesame oil, something's going to be missing from your food. So, um, I was ha- happy again. I have a lot of that in the house cause I like to do stir fry and, uh, um, I've made a few other dishes, some lo mein and stuff like that. So like, I like to have all these stuff so it's mm-hmm. quick and easy. Um, and a lot of it, if you buy it the right size, you you've got several meals you can make with the, the product. So it's expensive at first, but once you have it, you you're looking at several dishes you can make. So it ends up being a lot cheaper than going takeout every time. I love egg foo young. So that's that's my take on that. Is I absolutely dig. I usually get it on the old takeout, but they always say if you can make it yourself, it always tastes a little bit better. But yes, yeah, sesame oil. If you're cooking any kind of uh, Asian inspired dish, listen to us talking like with a chef. But you have to have sesame oil. It's it's those little key ingredients that make it what it is. So, uh, John, yeah. at some point, I'll be on. I'll be on the plane. Egg foo, if it's if the egg foo young is waiting. That would oh, just yeah. be the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake. I'll have to, I didn't make the gravy, uh, which I didn't know until I ordered the takeout that it came with gravy. I thought that was, I was like, well, gravy on eggs, but it's good. It's good gravy. It's just, I'm sure it's again, probably way too high in calorie when you get it from takeout. Don't I'll figure out that. a healthier option to make it home. No, but fine. that's how we're staying bloody awesome. Matt's been writing. I've been cooking and a little bit of writing every once in a while. I'm sure Matt's cooked a few things. He's not starving himself. Um, nope. But that's it for this episode. Well, we're going to wrap up here. We will be back next week. Uh, we're going to be watching on Amazon Prime, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Uh, not always sold on the Tom Clancy movies, but this one stars Michael B. Jordan, and I like him. So that's what that's why I'm in. Uh, hopefully it's good. Um, we'll find out. Uh, we'll be here to talk about our spoiler-free review next week. Um, in the meantime, if you like what we're doing, you can follow us on the social media. Matt, where are we on Twitter? We're at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And on Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And if you're still rocking Facebook and you like to hang out with the Bazuck, then you can search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on there as well. 
for me, if you want to follow what I'm doing, BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, basically all the social media. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and the search What I Watch Tonight, like John, across all the socials, including Letterboxd, and you'll find me there. And the last thing is that we ask for you to take just a moment, if you haven't already, to rate and review our podcast. It helps new listeners find us, and that's all we're trying to do is just grow a little bit of our listenership. So we appreciate you taking that time and hitting that five-star like button. Um, and if you'd like, share this episode on your social media so other people can know that you listen to us. Um, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,